Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the Gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lady Justice holding the scales of justice is one of the most, if not the most, recognized symbols in the legal system. The statue of Lady Justice holding the scales of justice demonstrates an aura of fairness, opportunity, and yes, justice. The characterization of Lady Justice that most are familiar with has three distinct features. A blindfold, scales of justice, and a sword. The blindfold over Lady Justice's eyes represents the notion of impartiality. The scales of justice signify that for justice to be had, the weight of the evidence for and against an issue should be weighed and considered before making a ruling. Finally, the sword represents the authority to execute justice. None of that, though, is on display when it comes to the unrighteous judge in Jesus' parable. Yet the unjust judge ends up giving the persistent widow justice, not based on the law, but because he just doesn't want to be bothered. What appears to be a mockery of justice ends up doing justice. Similarly, God will certainly do justice, but in a way that the world will perceive as crooked. He elects the Son, Jesus, to be the world's sin, to take the full brunt of the law, to be sentenced to death in our place for our sin. The question, though, at the end of the parable is not whether the Son of Man will find justice when he comes on the last day. The only question is whether the Son of Man will find faith on earth when he appears. Before God and his bar of justice, the only thing that matters, the only thing that counts as righteousness is faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us in his suffering, death, and resurrection. The persistent widow, or as someone calls her, the woke widow, wants justice. Literally, to be woke is to be awake. And spiritually speaking, when one is awake, one is always praying to God to access what is truly good, right, and salutary. That's what it means to be woke here, spiritually speaking. It's what Jesus was actually doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? He prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, meaning the cup of suffering he was about to endure for the life of the world. The justice that would be taken on not on the, not on the evildoers, but on him 
the one who is innocent, totally innocent, in thought, word, or deed. Father, he prays, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, he says, not my will, not what I want, but your will, what you want, be done. Jesus wanted justice. And so do we, don't we? So do we. Yet, we're tired of all the injustice, aren't we? So instead of praying, we fall asleep. We're overcome by our inability even to watch over ourselves. I mean, as the Apostle Paul puts it, you know, the good I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. It's, it's just overwhelming. And then what's done to us and how often we're treated unfairly or maybe we treat others unfairly, it's just, it's just too much, right? And we fall asleep. Well, in this way, we're, we're just like the disciples. Before withdrawing from them to engage in his own prayer, Jesus said to his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. When he came back, when he came back, he found them not praying. He found them asleep with sorrow. They fell asleep. They fell into temptation because they were overwhelmed by the injustice of life in this fallen world. And so are we, aren't we? It just, every time I look around, it just seems to be too much, too much for us to handle. So we close our eyes, sleep. Maybe it'll go away, but it doesn't. Jesus told this parable for this reason that one ought always to pray and not lose hearts. Well, how can we do that? Well, we can do that because he comes to step on the scale of justice. So the entire weight of sin falls on him and not us. He does this in our place for our sins. It's why he prayed to our Father in heaven, not my will, but yours be done. What you want, Father, that's what I want done. And what does the Father want? Mercy. Not justice, mercy. That's the bigger thing. Our Father wants every single one of everyone he has ever created, past, present, and future, to receive his mercy, to be restored to life together with him and one another throughout all eternity. That's what the Father wants. Mercy. So like the crooked judge, yeah, like the crooked judge, God wants you out of his courtroom. He doesn't want you in his courtroom. No, not at all. 
He wants you in the arms of his mercy. So, this woke widow, or persistent widow, she wanted justice, didn't she? And you might say, well then, how come God doesn't want justice for this woke widow? Truth be told, if she got justice, true justice, she would be destroyed along with whoever that adversary was in our text. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Now, I'm sure there was someone who did an injustice to her. Has anybody done something unjust to you? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. <laughs> be honest. Of course people have. We live in a, in a fallen world. But notice, I want you to think about this as a little boy I was taught this, right? And maybe you were too, or little boys and girls, maybe you were taught this. It's not polite to point, right? I mean, she was pointing out to the adversary what she had done, or what that adversary had done to her. He'd been unjust to her. She had been unjust to her. We don't know what, right? But I was taught that when you point, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Were you taught that? Yeah, me too. So, you, you've uh, not always put God first, right? Is that true? Yeah, me too, and I'm the pastor. You, you have sometimes talked to about people behind their back, right? Yep. Me too. Whoa. You. Sometimes you haven't honored your father and mother, right? Yep. <laughs> Me too. You see, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's why God wants us not in his courtroom, but in the arms of his mercy. He sent his son to take the beating for your sin and mine. Literally in that text where it talks about the unjust judge, he wants to get rid of the, this woke widow because he doesn't want a black eye. That's literally what that says. He doesn't want to take a beating from her anymore. Well, it's precisely the opposite of what God in Christ has come to do, right? He comes to take a beating for us. He wears the black eye proudly. He gets a black eye for our sin. Everything that's wrong with us is put on him so that he is sin for us. He is sin for us. Now, there's a part of this parable that is always kind of, I don't know, kind of, wrestle with. Kind of like Jacob in that Old Testament. He's wrestling with God for the blessing. He's like that persistent widow too, right? He, he's not going to leave without a blessing. And, and, and God loves that, by the way. He loves it when we just hold him to his word, right? But there's a part of this where, you know, justice speedily, you know, he goes, okay, consider this unjust judge. And 
It, won't God listen and hear your cries for mercy? And, and won't he give justice speedily? I mean, I see so much unjust injustice in the world, right? And so do you. Well, here's how it works. He's already won justice. Justice has already been secured. Jesus won justice for all even the unjust when he suffered and died on the cross. Notice what he said. you remember? He said, it is finished. In other words, justice has been served on God in Christ and not us. The Father put his thumb on the scale and weighed it down all on him. Every wrong, every, everything that's unjust, he's, it's put on him. And think about that. He did nothing wrong in thought, word, or deed. He's the only one who could say that, you know, others have been unjust to him because he's justice incarnate. And what does this show us? It shows us that God is more interested in mercy than justice. He wants us together with him and one another for all eternity. So how does justice come to us speedily? It's through the forgiveness of sins. You just received it today. You are set free from everything that keeps you from God and one another. You are clothed with his righteousness, and so is your neighbor who maybe was speaking poorly about you just a few minutes before. It's all covered. This justice comes speedily, whenever and wherever the word of God is proclaimed. And the righteousness of God is put in our mouths, hearts, and lives. The question at the end of the parable is not whether the Son of Man will find justice when he comes on the last day. It's not whether he will find us doing what we think God wants. Quite frankly, <laughs> he won't. The only question is whether or not the Son of Man will find faith. Faith. A simple trust in the promise of God that the sinner is justified before God's bar of justice for Jesus' sake. On account of his death as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, will he find faith when he comes? Does he find faith as he's coming here and now with his word? Faith, another word for that is believing. And believing is? Will he find people who will receive his mercy? who will receive the gift of his making everything right with God and one another? That's the question. And he wants that answered in the affirmative with every living being on this earth. As Robert Farr Capon puts it, I love this, and that, Virginia, is why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. You know why? There's 
no condemner. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.